Well, we're continuing our speaker series, and tonight we have another special speaker, and I have so many stories to share about Zayden. I don't want to share too many of them. You can ask me another time. One of them involves a jellyfish, uh, a night study, I mean, all kinds of stuff. But the one memory I want to share is that, um, okay, I lied too. So there's two things I want to share. August of 2012 is when the Lord first put South Carolina on my heart, and through a series of events, the first phone call I made was to Zayden. He was already living here and serving here. And then I remember a special time. Lori and Megan were both pregnant at the same time with our daughters. And I remember that Lori and Zayden would go with their kids to the Chick-fil-A, and I would be in California, and then we would, before it was popular, you know, we were FaceTiming each other and praying and getting ready to do the church plant a year before Megan and I even came out here. And our, our daughters were born at the same time. And now, eight years later, our daughters are eight. And the, we were just talking this evening. The Lord is just continuing to do this fabulous work. And so, eight years, I've only lit Zayden up here three times. So, we were joking about that as well. Let's pray together and then see what he has to share, what the Lord has to share with us through Zayden this evening. Father, we want to pray a special blessing on Zayden and that you would speak through him this evening as he leads us in another chapter of 1 John. In Jesus' name, amen. And cry the whole time. Amen. And... Uh, my wife told me not to say the word, um. So I'll see if I can do those two things. Let's set your Bible over here. All right, it's so good to be able to be here with you all and to be able to open the Word of God together and um, continue in our study through the book of First John. Uh, my assignment tonight is First John chapter 4, and uh, we're going to talk about, tonight we're going to talk about Antichrist, fun subject. Uh, we're going to talk about love's mandate, love's manifestation, love's marvel, marvel, and love's mission. Let's go ahead and go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you so much. Lord, we, we still our hearts before you this evening, and we thank you for your presence in our lives. Lord, we thank you so much for, Lord, loving us when we were at our lowest. Lord, we thank you so much for pulling us out of darkness and, and bringing us forth into your marvelous light. And Lord, we thank you so much for the work that you've begun, the good work that you've begun within each of us in this room. And Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to finish and to complete what you started. But we look to you this evening and we do ask that you would open our eyes and speak to us, Lord, even if it's just one word tonight, we want to hear from you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So 1 John chapter 4, some say that the book of 1 John is a prelude to the Gospel of John. Um, there's some key themes in the book of 1 John. 
God is love. God is light. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. One of the things I love about the Word of God is that it's simple. And that it's so simple that my eight-year-old daughter can understand its um, simplicity. There was an old hymn written by a gal by the name of Fanny Crosby. Um, Fanny Crosby was a, a, uh, I want to say the 18th century hymn writer. Uh, She wrote a song called Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, for the Bible tells me so. Um, She was not born blind, but she uh, became blind due to a quack uh, procedure with the doctor. And... uh, um, struggled with a lot of bitterness, um, but gave that to the Lord and ended up, um, the Lord had en- ended up using her to melt his heart with his, lo- his love. And she wrote that fabulous hymn, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. You guys know that one? So the truth is important. Um, it's uh, interesting, we see this uh, this connection between truth and love. The John John uh, brings the two together, and it's important um, that we have both. Um, the Word of God is God's truth, um, but it also points to His love manifest. Um, it's been said, love without Truth is just mere sentimentality. Um, can can be just sentimental, uh, but truth without love can be just facts. Um, can be a clanging symbol, just noise. So we need to have the two together. And sometimes truth can be, well, um, truth is very revealing. Um, you know, I think of the first time that. Um, I heard myself recorded, tape recorded, and I thought to myself, do I really sound like that? Oh, like my voice is squeaky and, you know, um, but there's something about seeing the truth about yourself. Um, I can remember the first time when I was confronted with the truth of God's word. And my natural inclination, my natural response was, um, to try and make myself better than I was, to, to, um, to resist the truth that I was a sinner and that I needed a Savior. Um, when, the, when God's truth shines in our hearts, when He shines the light in our hearts, um, it, can, it can hurt, it can sting. Um, and... In this chapter, in 1 John chapter 4, uh, John gets right into uh, talking about um, beloved. I love that first word, beloved. Um, you and I are loved by God. We will never understand the depths of His love. Um, we will spend all eternity, and God will be unfolding His love and His grace, new aspects of His grace for the ages to come, and this truth that we are loved by God 
is pivotal and it's, it's central to the whole Bible. And John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Um, truth is important. It's life and death important. Um, we are not to believe every spirit, um, but we're to test. We're to uh, put up the litmus test. Is this true? Is this of God? Or is this not of the Lord? Um, we do this in three different ways. We do this by the Word of God. Um, it's called discernment. Um, I can remember when I was born again, and I gave my life to Christ, and this was the first thing that God began to work in me, was, was this thing of discernment. Um, I remember the very night that I gave my life to the Lord, I went home and my mom started telling me, you know, if, if you think you're a flower, you're a flower, and you're, whatever you believe is what is true. And in the past, I, I might have accepted that, and then I, I, it put a check in me. I began to go, you know, that doesn't really sound right, you know. Um, I love my mom, um, but she wasn't speaking truth in that moment. And God began to give me discernment. And the more I got into his word, the more discernment he began to give. I began to see things um, in a biblical way, in a way that is, is this truth or is this error? Um, the, another form of discernment that the Lord gives us is Holy Spirit discernment. Um, in John sixteen thirteen. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Um, and then another, another test. Does it glorify the Jesus of the Bible? Um, you know, if you start talking about the Jesus of the Bible, you're going to get a couple different responses. Some people are going to be, say, get away from me. I don't want to hear that. It's crazy. Others are going to be drawn to that. And the ones that are drawn to the Lord, more than likely, um, they're, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, now, I will say that our lives must line up with the Word of God. If we're living one way and speaking another way, um, and uh, speaking one thing and living another thing, then, and our lives aren't lining up with the Word of God, then we aren't walking in the light. And we're walking in darkness. And God says, I want you to confess your sins and walk in the light as He's in the light. Now, does that mean that we're to confess our sins to everybody, every wicked thought we ever think? No, it means confess your faults to one another. Why? So that we could pray for one another. And uh, we already covered that in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Um, let's go ahead and go to... You guys don't need to turn there because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be blasting out some scriptures tonight. Um, Matthew 7, 15 through 
uh, 16. You can go there if you'd like. Um, or you can just write down the reference. We've all heard this before. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 16. Our Lord says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather uh, grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You will, therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So, the test of a false prophet is their character. Um, just, just like Jesus said, um, you, you, tell it, you can tell what kind of tree uh, it is by its fruit. What kind of fruit is coming forth from, from this person's life? that is uh, speaking on behalf of God or says they're speaking on behalf of God? What's the fruit of their character? What's the fruit of their creed? What is it that they're, they're, they're sharing? What is the message? What's the message that they're preaching? Um, one key characteristic of every false religion is that... Um, they do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. That's, the distinct, that's, a, that's a foundational distinguishing factor between every false uh, prophet, every false religion, and, and the truth. Jesus Christ is God. And we're going to go get into that in a little bit. And then you would also uh, be able to tell them by their converts, um, the people that are following them, What's the fruit of their lives? Watch. Listen. And, and, and observe. Are they bearing fruit unto God? Are they walking in love? Matthew 24, 4-5. through five. Jesus talking about the end times. Um, He says, Matthew 24, verse 4 through 5. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceive you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So, in the last times, one of the the things that we're going to see is that many people will come saying that they are um, the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah, um, and we're not to listen to them. Uh, one thing that stood out to me was that uh, many false prophets have gone out into all the world. What is our great commission? Our great commission is to go out into the world. And what does the enemy do? He's a counterfeit. He's a liar. He's a fake. And he comes and he does exactly what the great commission is, go out into all the world. So we go out into all the world to preach the gospel, and so does, so does the enemy. He goes out to, to sow seeds of um, destruction. Why, why should we contend earnestly for the faith? Why should we speak up 
Why should we be bold and speak the truth? Because the way of the, the gospel of the false prophet leads to destruction and death. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. There's a broad road, but Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. And we have the gospel of life. We have the gospel that can set people free. Peter says that um, many are held captive against their own wills. They're, they're, if you've ever seen Indiana Jones in the Temple of Dune, you remember that all these kids were getting taken from their villages and they were uh, being chained up and they were doing the work of, uh, of the evil force. And Indiana Jones comes in and, and sets them free. Um, you know, that's how it is. The world is, is being blinded, is being held captive, is in chains, in darkness, and they don't even know it. They're doing the work of the, the enemy, but the gospel is, is light and life and power and is able to set men free and give them hope. Verse 2, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. What a wonderful scripture glorifying the, the incarnation of our Lord. Great is the mystery. The mysteries in the Bible are things that maybe once were hidden and have now been revealed. And this mystery is something that will, uh, is, is something that the scripture says is to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. It's something that we are called to know, but it passes our ability to know. But we're called to seek it out. Um, you know, it's, honestly, it's been a while since I've gone out uh, street witnessing or evangelizing. Um, but um, it's something that I think that we should be on the offensive and we should be engaged as believers in sharing our faith. Um, it can be intimidating. Um, you have a battle within and then a battle without. And sometimes it could be easier just to say, well, you know, I just don't want to talk about the Lord and I'm just going to go about my life. Um, but the Lord wants us to uh, be bold for him. Why? Because people need the Lord. <clears throat> um, Isaiah 9, 6 says Jesus is the everlasting God. Right? Remember that Christmas scripture that we read every Christmas time? Isaiah 9, 6. This was written uh, over 500 years before Christ. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, 
and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of the government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. From this time forth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Another wonderful scripture of the deity of Christ, that Jesus is God. Uh, Remember uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 16, verses 13 through 20, when Peter, uh, the Lord said to Peter, um, Peter, who do men say that I am? And uh, Peter's response was Matthew sixteen thirteen through 20. When Jesus came unto the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Bingo. No, he didn't say that. That was a very, very loose paraphrase. He said, Blessed are you, Simon uh, Barjona, uh, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. So that Lithmith's test. Um, there's a few questions I like to ask people um, when I'm sharing my faith. Uh, I ask them, I to start a conversation, I ask them, do you have any kind of spiritual beliefs? I don't ask them if they believe in God. I just ask them, what, what are your spiritual beliefs? And then I listen. It's important to listen when we're sharing our faith. Um, and then I ask them, to you, who is Jesus? And then I listen. You can, you can get a lot from where a person's at by those two questions. And then I ask him, do you think there's a a literal heaven and hell? And then I ask him, if you died right now, where would you go? Those are great questions. Those those come from Bill Fay. Um, He wrote a book called Sharing Jesus Without Fear. And I've had some wonderful conversations with people. And then you can also tell if someone just really doesn't want to talk to you about the Lord. And then that's okay, too. Um, and you can move on. Um, <clears throat> so why did Jesus come in the flesh? Let's read uh, well, 1 John chapter 3, verses 5-8. through 8. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. And then verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For, the, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. So we live in this world, and this world is 
uh, the prince of the power of the air is, is Satan. And he has his cohorts, his um, people doing his business, his false prophets. And the, the scriptures have so much to say about um, people who say they come in the name of the Lord. Um, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says that if someone comes and they there's, there's, say they, they're speaking on behalf of God, and whatever they say does not come to pass, that they were to be taken out and stoned to death. Um, radical. Um, and um, if you're uh, ever talking to a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon, um, and you read that scripture in, their, in, um, in the King James Bible, they accept the King James Bible, um, they will agree with that. Um, you know, a lot of times we can chop at the branches uh, it, it, when we're talking with uh, someone who's a cultist or someone who is um, uh, in the cult. Um, and you can be chopping at, at the branches by, by talking terminology. You say Jesus... They think one thing, and you think another thing about Jesus. And uh, so you can be having a totally different conversation with, with someone. And, um, but the root of the issue is that um, they've been deceived by their organization. And, um, and Jesus always goes for the root. And so there's a good... Um, uh, book out there um, called the Exposé of Jehovah's Witnesses and the Exposé of Mormonism, um, where it just takes all the false prophecies and it has them documented. You can get it on BLB, blueletterbible.com, um, and you can print it off and you can show them, you know, you can share that scripture with them in Deuteronomy and then show them um, uh, the false prophecies of their church and then ask them, you know, um, do you still believe your church is uh, a prophet speaking on behalf of God? Um, so let's go on. Uh, Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist is in the world. It's all around us. You can be a little uh, discouraged and be um, kind of like, I'm going to go bury my head in the sand, you know, uh, because I don't want to deal with the spirit of Antichrist, but it's all around. But remember this, Christ, and we're going to see Christ in us is greater than he was in the world. Um, there's so much here, guys. We could spend all, all day in John chapter 4. I'm just going to start reading. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Uh, we know God through, um, through love. Um, the early church was committed to the apostles' doctrine, the authority of the scriptures, um, and that was um, something that we see in the book of Acts, that they continued steadfastly in those things. Um, we're going to look at love's mandate, First uh, John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Tradition says that John, the 
Apostle John would often just preach a simple message. My little children love one another. And he would preach that over and over again. And, and uh, it's been said that someone came, came to him once and said, why do you keep preaching the same message? His reply was that if that's all that you do, then it is enough. Proof that I am a Christian is that I love God and obey Him. And I love His people. Uh, The Amplified Bible says in 1 John John 4-7, I love this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love, it springs from God. And he who loves his fellow man is begotten, is born of God. And is progressively coming to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of Him. Isn't that beautiful? So the proof is that that I'm a, a, a of God is what simple. It's that I love my brothers and sisters. Um. There's a story about, uh, um, let me get his name straight, Juan Carlos Ortiz. He was a pastor in South America. His church started struggling and backbiting with one another and gossiping and and became bitter. And so he would get up to the pulpit uh, Sunday after Sunday and he would preach one simple phrase. Dear children, Let's love one another. And then would pray. Sunday after Sunday. And then finally God began to work out these issues that were within the church. And the people began to love one another. And realized, you know what? I need to get right with my brothers and sisters. And love them. Uh, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son, verse 9, his son into the world that we might live through him. So you have two things here. You have an abstract concept, and then you have a concrete concept. Abstract, God is love. Um, It's, it's, it's. People say it all the time, and I don't think they know what it means. But the concrete concept is this. Yes, God is love, but how did he manifest that love? He manifested that love because he sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. So God demonstrates his love by sending his son. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. We sung God of wonders and majesty. And there are things that we can see from observing His creation. God is majestic and awesome, powerful and peaceful. He's uh, creative. But there's one thing that we cannot see from observing His creation. The only way we can see it is from observing the cross. And that is his love for you and I. Love's marvel is this. In this, the love 
Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What a beautiful word. We've been studying Leviticus. We've been going through the Old Testament. Pastor Mike has been faithfully teaching us from uh, those books. And one thing that we recently covered was the mercy seat. And what was in the mercy seat? The, I mean, the, the Ark of the Covenant. You had the Aaron's rod that budded. Jar of manna. Ten Commandments, that's right. The law. And we know from, from our studies in the New Testament that the law condemns us, that none of us can keep the law, that we all fall short. Um, and as long as that, um, in that Ark of the Covenant, uh, it was a continual t- testimony to the nation of Israel that they blew it. Um, but remember the mercy seat. The blood was put over it. And Jesus Christ, he is our mercy seat. He is um, our propitiation. The propitiation for our sins. Uh, Romans 3.24 uses this uh, same phrase, uh, the same word, propitiation. It means to pardon, to appease the wrath. And if, we, if you study the book of Romans, you, you see that the wrath of God it, it is over a Christ-rejecting world. Um, <clears throat> that we were once under that wrath, um, but we obtained mercy and found grace. So Romans 4, I'm sorry, 3, 24 through 25 says this. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Wonderful. To demonstrate at the present time His righteousness. So what does the cross do? It demonstrates His love. It demonstrates his, where His love and His, his uh, righteousness meet at the cross. And there he pardons us and he blesses us. Um, A friend of mine wrote a a poem, and I love it. It says this, Oh, the precious, priceless blood of the Lamb, the blood that gushed on that holy day from that blessed cross of Calvary. That blood that has never stopped flowing from the moment it was shed. Indeed, it still flows and flows and flows, never ending, never ceasing, nor decreasing, but increasing evermore in its power, in its effect, and in its sufficiency. Long evermore to be showered with it, empowered by it, and made victorious through it, the holy blood of Christ. 
1 John 4, 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Um, we owe a debt to God. It's not a debt for our salvation. It's not a debt that we can earn his favor or his blessing. But our debt is simply this, to love one another. It pleases God. It pleases the Father heart of God when his children uh, get along. And not just get along, but love one another truly. Where does that love come from? Is it, does it ever run out? How deep is its supply? The love of God is endless. It is a fountain that flows from our Savior. And as we stay close to Him, His love flows within us, as it says in Romans 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in our tribulations, uh, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I love that. Shed abroad. It's been lavished on us. Um, There's a couple. I'm going to give you a couple analogies. Uh, uh, One is um, Noah's Ark. Um, It's been said that um, if it weren't for the storm on the outside, we would hardly be able to bear the stench on, on the inside. Sometimes it can be uh, being in a family, being a part of the family of God, our physical families and our spiritual family. Sometimes we can rub each other the wrong way. And that's okay. Um, That's part of life. Um, Another analogy, porcupines. Someone once said, the church is like porcupines. We need each other, and we also needle each other. <laughs> I like that. Like porcupines on a, a cold winter night, we, we try and get close to one another, but we poke one another. You know, That's a beautiful analogy. Um, <clears throat> we're going to look at love's mission now. So we've looked at... Love's manifestation, love's marvel, and now love's mission. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Um, Interesting. Remember, probably the only person that ever even got close to seeing the glory of God, seeing the face of God, was Moses. Um, the Lord hid Moses in the cleft and allowed his glory to pass by him. But Moses never saw the Lord face to face. And here John, and this is almost like, he's kind of like, is this verse really in context? But it's exactly where it needs to be. All of a sudden he's saying, beloved, if, if, 
no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us. Um, this is the very reason why we need to love one another. Um, we are a window. And probably the only window that people will be able to have to look through and to see the character of God. I don't know about you, but the thing that brought me to the Lord was, was love and truth. I had to hear the gospel. Someone loved me enough to share the gospel with me, to share the truth that I had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that I needed Jesus, that I needed to repent of my sins and turn from them. And this person, and actually, as I look back over the course of my life, it was many people that the Lord brought in different times, sowing seeds and and loving me and sharing the truth of the gospel with me. Um, but it wasn't just it wasn't just the truth it was love and that was one thing that when I came to the Lord I realized you know what these are my true friends this is my true family these people really care about me. My friends in the world, uh, they, they would say they love you, but when push comes to shove, it was every person for themselves. There's an abundant, abundance of love in the family of God. And may the Lord continue to just stir that up within us. So love's mission is that we would be windows through which people can look into our lives and see the love of God and, and see something different within us. Um, verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And now the consummation of love. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have, may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Uh, remember Second Timothy verse one through seven. God speaks through Timothy and says, "God has not given us a spirit of fear." Um, or Paul writes to Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Or it could be translated a saved mind. Um, God's never panicked. God's not uh, shaking in his boots at the things that are going on in the world. He's not terrified by the, the spirit of Antichrist that is prevalent. He is on the throne, he's in full control. 
nothing surprises him. Nothing takes him off guard. And nothing will knock him off his throne. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he's the Lord. And we don't need to be afraid. We live in a world that is pushing fear. There's so many. You turn on the news for three minutes and um, there's so much anxiety and stress and fear. The Lord just wants us to shut those things off, to rest in his love, and to, to, to be in that place of just abiding in him. Um, and I will say this, that the love that comes from our lives can only come from him. It can only come from that place of, of resting in him. It's not something we can stir up or muster up in our own energy. Uh, we can't say, I'm just going to love this person no matter what. Oh, you know, we could say that, but it can only come from, from sitting at his feet, praying for one another. If you pray for someone, it's hard to hate them. Um, God can change our hearts. Sometimes the people that are closest to us hurt us the most. Um, sometimes our expectations can be too high on people. We just need to lower the bar a little bit. And uh, we need to remember how much the Lord has loved us, how much he's saved us from. 1 John 4.20 If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom God, he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this command, commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the family of God. We thank you for the opportunity we have week after week to be able to encourage one another and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We pray that you continue your good work within us. We surrender ourselves once again to you, and we thank you for your great, great mercy and love towards us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, one of my favorite verses out of that chapter is, you know, what is the proof of God's love for us? And so, so many people in the world today are asking, they say, you know, this happened to me in my life, and this happened to me in my life, and then they ask themselves, you know, does God love me based on those events? And the proof of God's love for us is that he gave his only begotten son. Everything else is a bonus. And so just a blessed message. Let's close in that last word of prayer. And then if you need prayer coming up, we'll be up here praying with you. We want to continue to be in an attitude of prayer, and we look forward to seeing you at the prayer meeting tomorrow and then also Sunday morning. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you for this message. We pray that you would continue to just pour out your love on us and that we'd be able to share it with others. We pray that we continue to grow together in you. We pray for those that are sick in the fellowship and pray that you would heal them in the name of Jesus and that you would use us in the world as you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and have a wonderful week.